0: Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. In the time of climate crisis, cities play a very important role in mitigation and adaptation. Cities account for over 70% of global CO2 emissions, and today, more voices calling for nature-based solutions. One organization has worked to empower plants to make cities greener. I'm talking about the International Association of Horticulture Producers, known as AIPH. In 2013, they created the World Green City Award to help promote a new urban agenda and address the SDGs in the Climate Action Plan. So my guests today are Bill Hardy and Dr. Audrey Tim. They represent AIPH, the International Association of Horticulture Producers, and lead on this non-profit organization's Green City Initiative. Bill Hardy is also an active member of the Canadian Nursery Landscape Association, a member of Canadian Garden Council and the director of the Green Cities Foundation, among other organizations. Dr. Audrey Tim is a horticulture scientist specialized in ornamental horticulture. Audrey has worked to promote connection between design and ecology and uh, in urban landscape with the university of sheffield in the uk audrey leads aaph programs on green cities sustainability and plant health welcome bill and audrey
1: okay very nice to be here thank you
0: There are only a few days left before the announcement of the 2022 winners of the World Green City Award. It's very exciting to see who are they, the finalists. Bill, first, can you talk about the importance of the World Green City Award?
2: Certainly. Um, You alluded to it actually in your introduction, the fact that uh, so many of us live in cities now and cities are undergoing challenges because of of the climate and uh, extreme weather events and everything. And I don't think there's a a better way to encourage cities um, to improve what they're doing than a competition. You know, raising awareness around the importance of, of the power of plants is uh, what the AIPH is all about and getting cities to understand how they play a critical factor in, you know, the health and well-being of our cities that, and uh, and coping with the different things that are affecting us um, on a day-to-day level in cities. In Canada, 83% of Canadians live in cities, very small footprint compared to the size of Canada, but that's where we live, that's where we work, that's where we play. And so the important role that cities play for the health and well-being of 83% of our population is so important. By doing something like the Green Cities Award and the other initiatives that um, AIPH is doing around promoting green cities is, is just a Uh, It's a step to help cities understand, raise awareness, and not only that, but through the awards, um, seeing all of the different things that cities are doing to make a difference. The role that we can play by bringing all of those people together and and helping is simply a, a fantastic way to go about it.
0: There are now 18 shortlisted candidates in six different categories. Can you tell us about the different categories and the finalist, Audrey?
1: Yes, certainly, Kay. It's, okay. it's really a really very exciting time that we're in. Um, to get to this stage has taken us a while so the categories we've got the six categories in the awards and those we set um, defined by the green city guidelines and the principles of green city that we believe there's real evidence to show how much green, living green, can contribute to city solutions. So the categories that we've got, we've got the category of living green for biodiversity. And in this, we look at addressing loss of species, habitats, ecosystem health, and genetic diversity. We've got a a category for living green for climate change, uh, where we look to cities to showcase how they tackle the root causes and effects of climate change to build more livable and resilient cities. Category that we've got for living green for health and well-being. Health and well-being a very important thing and very highlighted at the moment. And here it addresses medical, behavioral and social determinants for health for residents. Living green for water is another category. And in this category we look to ensure that water resources are safeguarded and wisely used with clean water available to all, while also protecting residents from flooding risks. We have a category for Living Green for Social Cohesion, where we look to foster belonging, trust and intergenerational as well as cross-cultural relationships to prevent exclusion, marginalisation and violence. And our final category, the sixth one, is living green for economic recovery and inclusive growth. Here we look at creating systems and solutions that allow all residents to overcome economic distress and to thrive. And through these six categories, we believe that we're covering the main principles that living green can contribute to city solutions.
0: Can you give some insight who are they?
1: can indeed, I can tell you the 18 finalists. The actual winners of each category is only going to be announced um, quite soon. Um, And the 18 finalists that we've got were uh, selected through quite a lengthy process. But certainly um, in our, our finalists that we've got, the three finalists in the biodiversity category are Bogota, Colombia, the town of Victoria Park in Australia, and the city of Paris in France. In the climate change category, we have the city of Ishnia, Turkey, the uh, city of Melbourne in Australia, and Mexico City in Mexico. And we're very pleased with this that we've got quite quite a range of cities around the world. So looking at the category of health and well-being, we've got the city of Fortaleza in Brazil, the city of Utrecht in Netherlands, and back to Australia to the city of Brimbank. In Living Green for Water category, the finalists are the City of Montreal in Canada, Australia, Logan City Council, and the City of Umfletusi in South Africa. It's a very, very wide distribution which we're very pleased about. In the Social Cohesion category, our finalists are the City of Buenos Aires in Argentina, Songshan City in South Korea, and the city of Paris, France. In the category of economic recovery and inclusive growth, we're very pleased to announce the city of Montreal, Canada, the city of Mashhad in Iran, and the city of Hyderabad in India. So as you can see, we've got representation from cities in different countries, different continents, and really it's a very um, round the world trip of city greening in our finalists.
0: I see. And then you also, from this list of uh, finalists, you're also going to have one overall winner, isn't it?
1: Indeed. So there's from the 18 finalists, three in each category. Um, one is selected to win the category. And then from those six category winners, one city has been selected as the grand winner of the AIPH World Green City Awards 2022.
0: Hmm. I can't tell you who it is yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I see. I'm soon, soon there. So, but uh, Bill, what, what's your comments on on the list? I think it was fantastic. Uh, the entries
2: were all really good. Um, we had, uh, I think, 54 total entries, or 57 somewhere in there. Um, and a technical panel first reviewed them all to come up with the the short list. And I was pretty impressed by the overall quality and the the diversity of the entries. Um, you know, we had entries that that uh, kind of looked at the at uh, great parts of the city, um, which are you know harder for cities to achieve to make you know big changes over over the course of an entire city. But then we had entries too that were done with low budgets and concentrated on just parks or schools or something like that or community gardens. Um, so the variety that we had, I think, was exceptional for the first time around too. And um, I know that we already have people excited even before we announce the announcements or announce the winners about the uh, the next round in 2024.
0: But let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, what we said in the beginning about climate change and uh, the role of nature-oriented solutions. And uh, we we know that all around the world we see how catastrophic climate change is. Uh, and uh, a recent study from Yale and Najing University showed that urban areas are warming quicker than rural areas by 29%. The study also showed that a way to mitigate climate crisis is in urban environments is by planting trees, creating rainwater gardens, and deep paving. How can cities prevent further damage for heat waves and floods, Bill?
2: Well, a, a lot of cities are starting to do it right. Um, and I think they just have to continue on. Uh, you know, around the the heat thing, it's it's really interesting um, because you you also, I think uh, Kai posted an article from the Guardian that showed that cities that are doing it right are actually lowering, lowering the temperature in the cities. So doing it right can take care of the temperature and heat island um, effect, I think pretty easily. Um, you just have to have and what I find in my local my lo- local area is the resources that you're prioritizing to make it happen. Uh, so often, cities have so many challenges and other things that uh, some of this stuff gets put on the back burner. Uh, you know, and then of course you have a catastrophe like a flood or like last year in Vancouver area we had uh, something called a heat dome, which I'd never heard of before, but um, you know, forty degree temperature that sat over us and, and stayed for for a week with the air wasn't even moving it was it was terrible and we lost in Vancouver 619 people uh, purely because of the heat um, you know same thing with with uh, rainwater control um, we mentioned already that cities are urbanizing quickly um, and with that quick growth sometimes the gray infrastructure doesn't keep up and cities are just now learning that they don't necessarily have to keep spanning you know, hundreds of thousands or millions on gray infrastructure, if they treat the water properly that on the surface through green infrastructure. And you know, until just recently, it wasn't even considered an asset. By a city to have you know bioswales or storm retention ponds or anything but the cities are changing uh, you know in my own community um, the policy and regulations and in some cases even bylaws are changing um, in major developments now uh, rainwater must be de- detained on site and dealt with so it doesn't enter the storm system um, you know and there, that's happening through all kinds of different ways from green roofs green blue roofs Uh, walls, rain gardens, bioswales, infiltration systems. um, We're starting to do Something that I think is going to be really important going forward is water storage for use in the landscape, because water is going to be critical to us going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some parts of the United States and other areas of the world, water is already a critical factor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we tend to use potable water for our landscapes as well as for everything else. And going forward, you know, that might have to change. Mm -hmm. So storing water to use on the landscape on site is a simple solution that Mm -hmm. really, really takes care of it. We tend to call... Uh, what we do, um, living green infrastructure. Because when you're just talking about green infrastructure, it can mean so many things. From you know different things that the city does that they consider green. And like you mentioned, you know, I don't like to focus too much on trees, although trees are one of the most important part of the landscape. However, it's the entire working landscape, you know, those green spaces that we can create. An exercise we do in my community is every year we pick a really, really hot day and we take city council for a walk. We make them start in a really sunny area with no trees and no green space and everything. And we start talking about the value of it. And then when they walk into the shade of a, a, uh, you know, double-lined street with lots of green space and the temperature drops, five, six, seven degrees and no direct sun on you, then they get the picture and mm. they make change. So,
0: oh, great. Yeah. Uh, great steps. Bill, you've also been working a long time with nurseries around the world. And uh, which role do you think uh, nurseries play in making cities greener to begin
2: with if we didn't grow the plants you wouldn't have anything to plant in cities. Um, although a lot of municipalities have their own tree nurseries it's still part of the nursery or nursery uh, sector you know we're we're working hard I think globally. Um, part of the conference that we just had was looking at, uh, prof- we did professional visits to look at what other nurseries are doing. We have challenges. Uh, you know, we're taking we're taking plants that normally grow in a forest and putting them into a built environment in a city, you know, so we have challenges. But the, I think the nurseries overall are really, really working hard to improve their systems, uh, to talk Together with city planners and uh, landscape architects and you know other specialists in the field to to play their part. Um, really, the power of plants is what drives this whole thing. But if you if you can't grow them and deliver them and can't keep them alive afterwards, there's a lot of the benefit. And you know it's expensive to, for example, plant trees that don't live because we didn't start them properly. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of the space nurseries mm-hmm. come from. I think. In okay.
0: Okay. I think it's a need of a lot of knowledge in this field. And uh, uh, we can see also from many of the tree plantations of projects all around the world that um, they have things to learn from failure and and try to make things more biodiverse. And maybe also look at the role of the plants and, and how you combine plants. Isn't that so?
2: Yeah, it absolutely is, um, you know, and it's, sometimes it's not just about the failure, but it's um, thinking ahead about how not to fail with, you know, changing weather patterns. Um, for example, in Vancouver, you like to think that Vancouver is very wet, and so you need a tree that that uh, will, will be happy, happy, happy with wet roots, but the fact of the matter is, through the summer period, we have no rain. Like our July, August, September this year, were record breaking, no rain at all. So you need a tree that can stand wet feet in the summertime and and dry feet all summer to withdraw or to uh, withstand the drought. Um, so the research going behind that kind of thing to think ahead, because let's face it, too, you have to be five to seven years ahead when you're growing a tree. Some other Plants, of course, in the landscape, not not so long of a life cycle, but um, so there's there's lots of activity happening mm. in, in that space. Mm.
0: So also, the nursery has a role when we talk about education and training.
2: Yes, yeah, and at, of course, that varies around the world how how uh, that happens. We're very fortunate in Canada to have a very strong association that has as members of it the landscape professionals and the nursery growers um, as well as retail and uh, also the suppliers. It's something that I've been talking about a little bit with a few other uh, individuals about getting together maybe a little bit more internationally to bring all of those people under the same roof together with the planners, the developers, the architects, um, city councils and stuff to, to raise more awareness around it. Too often, the nursery growers are left out of the loop. You know, so that's, that's part of our role and part of the education that we do around mm-hmm. our our Expos and the, the Green City Awards.
0: And Audrey, uh, do cities need new models for, of decision-making to improve their ecosystem that are more nature-oriented?
1: It's definitely something that we are seeing, Kai, and certainly with our AIPH Green City programme, what we're doing is looking to nurture a strategic shift in both city form and function. And the decision making is really driven from a Couple of things, and one that I think is very positive that we're seeing now is the integration of natural systems, nature based solutions, with engineered solutions. They're not seen as an either or. You know, in one of those examples are green roofs. Uh, Bill alluded to stormwater management, and green roofs have been known to be suitable for storing water. But there's now strategies that are looking at integrating those systems with smart solutions that um can see rain coming it's forecast for rain and therefore they can release water so they can hold water further. So it's in, it's connecting those engineered solutions, um, internet solutions, smart solutions with the capacity of plants to perform. Um, certainly in a lot of flood management systems in terms of bioswales, they're not necessarily replacing uh, piped systems, they're working together with them. And in that aspect, then there's a lot more confidence in the capacity of the nature-based solutions to support engineered solutions that people are so so, um, familiar with. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that we're seeing in terms of decision making is if you think about it people do things either because they want to or because they have to Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing in a lot of the um, uh, entries for the AIPH World Green City Awards, there are so many programs with community involvement, whether it's a park, Mm -hmm. uh, a school, um, and so, the community involvement, people are doing it because they want their space to be greener. And there's an energy that's coming from that that's really, really very positive. The other aspect that we're seeing is people doing things because they have to, and that's bringing in policy and planning decisions. Um, and Bill alluded to that earlier that we're seeing a shift in that. That's driven very much, though, by the evidence base. That politicians, decision makers can be sure that what they're putting in as policy or planning is reliable is um, can be uh, um, they can have confidence that it will work, and we're seeing that in in the living green space. We're seeing that the science is now backing up the uh, the claims that we do make about cooling cities down there's even evidence as far as medical situations go where living green helps with not just mental well-being but physical health and that evidence that comes from that drives policy so it's certainly we're seeing different ways and different resources that decision makers look to Um, And and as AIPH, that's one of the things that we really do in terms of the advocacy and the knowledge transfer is to take that information and bring it into the attention of those people who would use it and can use it.
0: Mm. Sounds like you're talking about the need of governance structure that are in place for decision making that involve also the nature oriented decisions?
1: Yes, indeed, you know, bring into governance. Um, and, and again, Bill said, you know, in terms of the horticulture industry, the nursery industry, you know, we're stepping very much into the space to be part of those conversations of governance, we have a lot to contribute, that um, can define the success of, of projects. Hmm. So governance uh, really needs, it's a, it's not a, a, a cross disciplinary, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary decisions that need to be taken with everyone bringing um, a level of expertise and experience into the decisions that that happen.
0: To what extent uh, do the Green City Awards help promote better city leadership?
2: Well, again, I think it's just raising awareness, um, you know. And uh, like I said earlier, um, I find this particularly. I'm involved with communities in Bloom too, and cities love competitions. Um, so, you know, get, getting them getting them around a table that looks at, at this type of, of uh, work um, in a competition scenario, I think is 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 going to be really um, not only relevant but really successful going forward. Again, when when we well, actually, we're already doing it, Audrey. I think we're publishing some of the uh, the city entries as case studies on the AIPH website. So already, cities have the opportunity to see what what you know made the final cut and how they can how they can apply some of these things to the, their own cities and. I I just believe it's it's something that we we struggled actually to get off the ground the, the green, world green city awards uh, but a lot of thought went into it and a lot of detail a lot of planning a lot of work by the AIPH team you know and but it it also support is supported by some of the other activities that we do for example the the six categories I believe were based on the green city guidelines uh, that have been around for quite a while so
0: are coming into networking and. Uh... Then we look into cities. Who are the stakeholders that you are looking into in collaboration with uh, when you talk about cities?
2: Be only from my own experience in my own community. Um, too often, I think the landscape contractors and the nurserymen and that work too independently. of. If you don't have the, the city planners and and maybe even more importantly, the developers at the table... Uh, around these exercises to discuss how how green cities work and how living green infrastructure really helps, then we're missing the boat because we can do whatever we want at the ground level. But if if nobody is planning right from the first place, so if cities don't have the you know the right direction for the developers, and the developers don't take up on that. Um, again, in, in my area, I'm finding developers are finding that it's much easier to sell a complex, you know, like a a hundred unit townhouse complex or something that has a lot of green space Hmm. and doesn't put so much emphasis on pavement um, and parking and and the other things. And cities around the world are learning this. Uh, There's so many examples. Um, You know, we've got good examples out of uh, um, many cities around the world right now about how they're depaving or taking city streets and, and, giving them taking them away from cars and giving them back to green spaces so it's hard for cities sometimes because the resources sometimes just aren't there to do everything and as much as we as the green professionals think it's very important oftentimes it gets put you know in a different spot by council and by even residents um, so it's our job to, as you said uh, earlier, Kai, educate and inform, you know, through case studies and stuff, make, uh, make that knowledge available. Um, one of the things that we're starting to do a lot of in Canada is what we call a life cycle cost analysis um, around green elements, such as stormwater retention and the value of trees and everything. And when you can take a, an independently produced life cycle cost analysis to a, to a, a city, to a planning department and say, look, bioswales versus digging up old gray pipe uh, work as well and they can actually see it in dollars and figures because that's what drives cities, uh, then it makes sense and we make progress.
0: For well, the new cities that will come into the 2024 awards and uh, uh, I think you said there was 54 cities who was involved in the first step of the this year's uh, award and um, we have 18 finalists but how can cities enroll Audrey?
1: The 2024 awards is soon to be launched Um, we're holding the AIPH World Green City Awards every two years. This allows the time for cities to get their entries in, Um, it allows us time to really expand our audience as far as bringing it to the attention of the cities and um we're in the process at the moment of fine-tuning the details of the 2024 awards and if we're going to make any slight changes to it but the success of the 2022 awards has really been encouraging cities were really excited to enter some cities um, submitted more than one entry individual projects um, that contribute to the vision of the city because that's one thing that we're really very focused on is that the cities enter not just a single project but part of the vision for a city it's very important that we're looking at a city wide vision connectivity of a city Bill mentioned that cities quite often have limited resources and one of the ways to um, really create a greener city with limited resources is to do a little bit of a snapshot of what's there and then work on connectors and then creating connections between greening really empowers um, the city space to perform better so with the 2024 awards we'll be um, launching it soon it will then be um, open for cities to uh, register an expression of interest with entries opening probably early in the new year we don't have a date for that yet um we're looking at uh, working with our partners to define the the criterion for the awards and having some conversations with some new partners which is really exciting um but we're looking at the 2024 awards really capturing the cities around the world as much as the 2022 awards round but more when we look at the geographical distribution of entries for the 2022 awards we're really quite pleased with what we received but there are areas that we would like more interest from so there certainly are a few areas around the world that we're going to be targeting um we've had some fabulous interest from cities in all spaces and really looking forward to the 2024 awards having Mm. as much and more interest and impact from cities around the world
0: and maybe with help of the winners from 2022 to also get more cities involved for 2024 it has been a great pleasure to have both you bill and audrey with me here today in transformers thank you very much for all the good thoughts thank you so much uh, audrey and bill our pleasure thank you kai
1: thank you bill
0: Uh, and in the next transformers podcast you will meet the winners in the world city green award 2022. welcome back i'm kai embren follow me on twitter and linkedin where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, KaiEmbren.org. Thank you for listening.